You're listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to master the stock market and the art of being a dad. So pull up your cargo shorts, put on your grass-stained New Balances, and let's throw some stocks on the grill. Here are your hosts, DJ Brown and Mike Sabala. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our first ever live Stocks and Sandals recording. This is your host, Mike Sabala, and I am joined by David Brown. Are you nervous, buddy? With all these eyes on us? David. I feel like I'm more nervous now that you call me David. You just like <laughs> outed me as like my my nerd name. No, yeah, no, I'm not nervous. I almost nervous. used your middle name too. Whew. That would have been risky. Um, no, I'm not nervous. I uh, I like people. You are are one that I would you know. I'm assuming are sweating a little bit right now. How are you feeling? Yeah, I don't like people. I don't like people <laughs> at all. So, but I love right. everybody here. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. So, uh, yeah, like Mike said, this is our first ever live podcast recording. So, that is a uh, feature of our brand new uh, premium Stock Dads Discord. Uh, you get to get the behind the scenes look at what we do how dumb we are, how bad we are at this, and how much stuff we normally edit out of our podcasts. <laughs> um, everybody get that could be in the Discord gets to uh, watch that and lose a whole bunch of respect for us. So that's yeah, good. Suffer with um, suffer with yeah, each other. Yeah, I guess the longer we talk, I already see people like leaving. So it's, you yeah. know, this is going to be <laughs> fun. It's, no, I'm just kidding. It's expected to be. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, no, but uh, today we're pretty excited to have uh, James Gobi. Gobi, did I pronounce that right? Gobi, Gobi. No, Gobi is great. All right, there we go. James Gobi with us. Um, and James, I'm going to give you a few seconds to just kind of tell us more about yourself, your background, who you are, who you represent, and uh, what we're here to talk about today. Awesome. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so my name is James. Um, I actually work for a company called Revolution Financial Management. Um, it's a smaller brand of a obviously much larger, much larger uh, company called World Financial Group. Um, basically, I have no background in business or finance whatsoever. I actually went to Cal State Fullerton, um, and I was a music journalist for about eight years, and that didn't work out. Um, I ended up being a, a special education teacher in kindergarten or for kindergarten. Uh, that didn't work out either. If you know anything about teachers, you'll know that they don't make a lot of money. Um, I actually ended up stumbling upon this opportunity. And right now I own my own business and it's great. I love it. I get more time with my daughter. Um, I make good money um, and I don't ever want to work for anybody else again. Owning my own business has been incredible. That's awesome, man. So tell us more about like uh, about your business, what you do, what that looks like, and uh, you know how how do you make this uh, money with a flexible schedule and all that kind of fun stuff. Sure. Um, so basically, what we do, um, we're like a brokerage firm. So we actually represent the big companies in the industry: Prudential, Nationwide, Pacific Life, Transamerica, you name it. Um, so what we do is when we sit down with a client. Okay, our first objection or objective um, is to educate them. 
Okay, there are way too many people out there that are uh, left behind when it comes to financial education. So we help provide some financial education and we offer complimentary financial plans. I urge you to find any other company out there that offers complimentary financial plans. You know, normally you'll have to, to pay, you know, a sit down fee, you know, with a, a company like, you know, JP Morgan, stuff like that, Merrill Lynch. Um, so what we do is obviously completely complimentary. We're trying to educate and help at very least middle-class America on how money works. Okay. So when we actually introduce uh, some of the products and services that are out there to our clients, it's those companies that then pay us basically a finder's fee. We get paid out of their marketing budget to do what we do. Um, basically, at running my own business, you know, you put in uh, X amount and you get out X amount. So you get out what you put in. So um, now I get paid handsomely for my hard work, where other places I would work really hard, but they always had that glass ceiling. You know, you can only make 50000 a year. 80,000 a year, whatever. There's no one here to tell me that I can only make so much. And that's the beautiful thing about the financial industry. It's the highest paid industry from coast to coast, unless you're a A-list celebrity or a big time ball player, which I am neither. Um, the financial industry was definitely the place for me. That's awesome, man. So um, today we're going to be talking about uh, what's, you know, kind of your specialty, which is uh, tax-free retirement. Um, you know, how to utilize taxes in different ways, different strategies around that. And, um, you know, a, a term that you, that I've found kind of perusing your, your information and your websites and the articles that you share and things of that nature, which is, you know, pay yourself first. So, um, that's kind of the topic of today and what we're going to kind of dive into. So, um, I guess the first thing that I would like to, you know, ask is when you're, you know, working with a client, okay. And you have, you know, an opportunity to understand their goals and their plans and stuff like that. Um, how do you identify what the best route is to use taxes to their advantage? And, you know, how do you identify what types of uh, strategies they should be using for their tax planning purposes? It's most definitely a fair question. Um, when we sit down with people, you know, the first thing we talk about are, yes, their goals, the things that they want to accomplish financially with uh, within the next short-term years, the one to three years, mid-term, three to seven, and then long-term years, seven plus. So using that information, what they want to accomplish is where we start to look. You know, obviously if they have, you know, um, lots of long-term goals, um, like buying a house, um, funding children's education when it comes to college, stuff like that, retirement goals, stuff like that, you're not going to look at taxable accounts be like okay well you know i could find a high yield savings for you you know you obviously want to find the best vehicle to fit their goals so by getting to know the client get asking those questions um that's where that's where you, the conversation is kind of geared that way you know so it's not it's not that you have to be really really knowledgeable you just have to be listening and and i hope that makes sense um, but when it comes to getting that information, hearing that, that's where your knowledge and your experience comes into play. Okay, you you know the the different things that are out there, the vehicles and strategies that are out there that can help them achieve their goals and reach their you know their dreams. 
I hope that answered your question. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so quick question going off of that. Um, I typically hear like the kind of the first place you should go for investing is your 401k, like get your 401k match. And then after that, typically it's suggested to get like a Roth IRA or something like that. Um, is that typically the strategy you go with? Um, and I guess I have a follow-up question to that, but go ahead and yeah, go ahead and take that one first. So if your company offers a 401k, please take advantage of it. Okay. Do everything you can to make sure that you enroll into the 401k being offered to you. Um, but also be aware of the match that is being provided. Okay. Um, we, we always suggest that people contribute up to the match, but no further. Basically, a lot of people know about a 401k as a, uh, a retirement plan through their employer. However, that's that and the fact that it's in the market is the only knowledge that people usually know. They don't know too much else about it. So we let them know, you know, this is how it works. It's actually um, invested in the market and it's matched and stuff like that. So we break it down in quote unquote layman's terms so people can kind of understand it. So we let them know, go ahead and invest. Next, any further beyond that, um, when talking about something like a Roth IRA, yeah, you know, Roth IRAs are great, especially when it comes to tax implications. Um, it's one of the tax exempt or tax advantage vehicles that's out there. Um, but we do also want to let people know that there are restrictions and limitations to it because the government doesn't want someone taking advantage, no pun intended, on a tax advantage vehicle. So we're kind right. of, uh, we're kind of, go ahead. You said you had a follow-up question, Mike. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I do. Um, so I guess with that, you know, with those limitations, one of the ones that I'm familiar with is that the contribution limits on a Roth IRA are relatively low. So I guess what are, like, what are your options after that? And would you suggest typically using a Roth IRA a Roth 401k over a traditional Roth IRA or 401k? Um, I, I suggest, personally, I suggest um, if a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA is um, offered through your employer, take advantage of it. Okay. Um, do, do all that because honestly, if they're going to be matching a certain percentage, essentially, I see that as free money. I'm a red blooded American, so I love free things. Um, and especially if it's coming from my employer, who I'm sure uh, pays me a, would pay me less than I felt that I deserved, I would love more of their money. Go ahead and match it. I'll take it. Um, and later down the road, considering it's a Roth, it would be tax advantage or tax exempt. Um, so yes, I, I would say take advantage of any Roth vehicle that is being offered to you through your employer. So other than the contribution limits, are there other limitations with a Roth IRA that we should be aware of? Yes, 100%. So um, the big restrictions and limitations that they have, um, the first one is the 59 and a half rule. Um, you could have money in your Roth IRA uh, and it could be growing. However, if you withdraw from that Roth IRA before you're 59 and a half, not only do you have to pay penalties, but you're going to have to pay taxes on that. OK, um, and it depends on, you know, where where you stand when it comes to the tax brackets, it could be high. OK, um, 
The next one is yes, your contribution limit. Okay, you can contribute 6,000 a year to a Roth IRA. That's 500 a month. Um, if you're looking at a retirement plan, um, our company, we actually uh, educate people about something called your FIN. F-I-N stands for your financial independence number, okay? Um, which is basically an amount of money that you should have saved up at retirement so you can live comfortably for the rest of your life, uh, enjoy your golden years, not working for the golden arches, okay? Um, and uh, I guess that was my dad joke for the podcast. Um, <laughs> so it, we teach people about this and honestly, something like a Roth IRA with contribution limits I don't see a lot of people being able to reach their financial independence number only contributing 500 a month to their retirement. So um, there's the contribution limit. There's also an income limit. Okay. It's for single individuals and also for uh, partners or couples um, in a relationship. Um, it changes every single year, but average around this number, it, it looks like a single person, if you make over $100,000 a year, you can't even have a Roth IRA, okay? And if you're married and you have a dual income of over $170,000, $180,000, you can't have a Roth IRA. So those, those restrictions and limitations are, are really big to know, especially if you're older, if you have a good income, you know? Sure. So is it it's true. Uh, is it true that like most people try take advantage of Roth IRAs because uh, at least contributing to them when they're younger, because they assume that when they're nearing retirement age, they'll be in a higher tax bracket because they will be making more money. Ideally in an ideal world, you get your annual raises, your bonuses, whatever you go up in your salary. So nearing retirement age, you're, you'll be in a higher tax bracket than you would be now. So pay the taxes on it now. And then when you were draw it out in the future, um, it's less of an impact on your income because you're not paying those higher taxes. Is that correct? Hundred percent. Okay. Um, people people definitely see taxes as being historically low right now. You know, um, my crystal ball doesn't work, so I can't tell you what taxes are going to be like 30, 40 years from now. Um, I I'd, I'd love to pay small taxes as opposed to questionable. Uh, percentage of taxes later on. So as a follow-up kind of to that, and you mentioned, you know, all these limitations and stuff, uh, what other strategies are there, you know, because like from my perspective and my, my um, limited knowledge on this stuff, I get my information from my financial planner, our best friend, Andy, you know, um, but like from my limited perspective, you know, there aren't that many options out there other than, you know, your 401k, uh, your Roth IRAs, your traditional IRAs, you know, 529 plans, which you just talked about in our one, a couple episodes ago, like stuff like that for savings in the future. What other strategies do you recommend to supplement Roth IRAs and, you know, to utilize taxes and all that to your advantage? Sure. Um, when it comes to tax advantage or tax exempt vehicles, I agree with you. There are few. Okay. Um, and two main ones. Um, obviously, yes, the Roth IRA, but another uh, vehicle is the cash value life insurance policy. And it kind of has a stigma to it, um, I will admit, but um, cash value life insurance, it, it's incredible. If you, if explained properly and understood properly and used properly, 
uh, could be the difference between your retirement goals and working for the Golden Arches. Okay. Um, the oh my goodness! Now he's uh, he's a he's a motivational speaker. He's really tall, big hands. Um, <laughs> Tony Robbins. There we go. Thank you. I totally blanked on his name. We can edit that part out, right? Um, no, so, no, no. This is no? live and raw, uncut. Cool. Uh, uh, no. um, so Tony Robbins actually wrote a book, uh, Money Master the Game, and he's talked about cash value life insurance as the rich man's Roth. Okay. Because the wealthy, if they're making more or making more than you know the restricted limit, they can't have one. So what's their option? Cash value life insurance. So that's that is an uh, an additional um, option that we do uh, advise people to take advantage of. So <clears throat> DJ just took like all of my questions. So forgive me, but <laughs> so as far as life insurance goes, what do you suggest for that? Because I know there's like indexed, you know, policies. I know there's like just whole life. Um, so I guess can you break down a little bit more? how the life insurance aspect of it would work? Sure. So there are two large categories when it comes to life insurance, <clears throat> temporary and permanent. Okay. Temporary obviously is term policies. You can get them for, you know, 10 years, 15, 20, 30. Um, and it could serve its purpose. Okay. Um, and then permanent policies obviously are permanent. They're until you pass away. Um, you have whole life policies, and then you also have, um, as you were alluding to, the index universal life insurance policies, okay? Um, and those have cash value portions attached to it. There's an IRS tax code that says if you have cash value attached to a life insurance policy, your cash value that is accumulated is, can be accessed tax-free. At least that's in a index universal life insurance policy. So that that right there is the world of difference. Okay, you could have it only for a certain partial part of time. Okay, or you could have it permanent, last you until you pass away. Okay, those are the two big differences. But when it comes to payout and disbursements and um, collections and withdrawing from your money. Um, it gets a little more detailed when it comes to permanent policies and cash value policies. So what are some of like the big no-nos for people when they're trying to, you know, do certain types of savings for the future or something like that? Like, I mean, what would you say? Like, you know, you should definitely not use, you know, a tax, uh, a taxable account for this and you should not use, you know, a tax exempt, you know, account for this or whatever. Like, are there, kind of big no-nos in, in your mind, like you definitely shouldn't use like a taxable account for like long-term savings or buying a house or whatever, stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there are definitely quote unquote no-nos as you were speaking about when it comes to finance and savings. Um, so there are three different categories when it comes to taxes, your taxable accounts, tax deferred and tax exempt or tax advantaged. Uh, taxable accounts, we feel is best for your short-term savings, okay? Uh, tax deferred would be something for your midterm savings and tax exempt for long-term, something like your retirement planning. 
you obviously don't want to put your retirement planning in a simple savings account over at Bank of America. Right now, the big banks, Wells Fargo, Chase, um, and stuff like that, they're, they're offering a rate of return of a 03 to 0.05%, okay? Or you can get a CD for like 2%, something like that. Um, it's, it's dismal. It's sad. It's, it's bad, okay? Um, especially when the uh, inflation rate is 3 to 4% every single year. So if your money, if you're looking to keep your money in a taxable account or a small rate of return account, and it's not keeping up with inflation, essentially you're losing money every single year. And to me, that's the riskiest of all. Guaranteed loss every single year. Okay, you don't even have a chance to win. You know, it, it, it's bad. Um, your tax deferred accounts, uh, your 401ks, um, it's, that's, that's where you wanna go ahead and put money away. Okay, um, and use that for, you know, family vacation, buying a home, stuff like that. You know, um, much further down the line, three to seven years. Okay, put that away. Let it grow in the market. Uh, you do have a chance of obviously losing your money, as people did in two thousand and eight, and at the end of February, beginning of March, when this whole pandemic happened, uh, the market took a big hit. 30 to 40%. Lots of people lost a lot of money and they didn't like it, which made them rush to their financial advisors to be like, oh my gosh, I lost all this money. What do I do? It depends on how old you are. If you're young, hold it out. Take it out. Okay. The market will correct itself. You just got to be patient with it. Okay. And as we've seen, the market has been going up, you know, since it dropped in March. Okay. However, if you're closer to retirement, you don't have time on your side. Time's not an asset. Time's not something working for you, it's working against you. So you have every right to be concerned about what happened to 30 to 40% of your retirement planning. Okay. And then obviously tax exempt vehicles, that's that's where you want to put we, we advise people to get as much money into a tax exempt vehicle as possible. That's your long term. That's your family's future. That's your retirement planning. So you know, I, I feel like the pretty standard, you know, line of, you know, financial planning advice or like the the order of things that in the order that they should be done is, you know, like first thing, like you mentioned, is setting goals, right? Understanding what you want to do, when you want to achieve it, how you know, what you want to achieve, all that kind of stuff, right? And then after that, you want to try and eliminate bad debt, okay? So get rid of, you know any type of debt with like an interest rate that's like higher than what you can earn investing, you know? So like mm -hmm. getting rid of that kind of stuff is as soon as possible next. And then like you want to build your emergency fund, um, you know, and, and usually that's like an amount equal to around like three to six months worth of your income. So that if anything ever happens, um, you know, you don't have to blow through, you know, your retirement savings, uh, in order to survive. Right. Um, and then, you know, you get to the the kind of steps where, you know, you okay, spend less than you earn, you know, budget, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then max out your employer match 401k, you know, and then, you know, max out a Roth IRA. Okay, we've done all those things. Okay. Now, you know, that's what we at Stock Dads unofficially recommend because we're not financial planners. We can't make actual <laughs> advice or anything like that. But like me personally, that's what I do and have done. 
um, to get to the point where I am, where now I feel like I can start to try and create a secondary income, you know, trading stocks and, you know, having kind of like a, a play account and kind of turn that into something bigger. Right. Um, so when we start to do this kind of stuff, like we're doing now, and, and many of our listeners are in this group because they trade stocks or they, um, you know, want to invest and stuff like that. And we start to do things in Robinhood or Webull or whatever. Can you just kind of explain, um, briefly, we'll save this and do a much more in-depth episode on this, you know, down the road, but like for the types of tax, the types of taxing issues that we may run into or things that we should be aware of with us trading and selling and or buying and selling, you know, less than a year, like that kind of stuff. Kind of just give me some of the things for us to watch out for. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the, the main reasons for jumping into the stock market and kind of doing things like that that are out there um, is to sell your stocks, earn money um, and do that. However, you have to understand that there are taxes when it comes to that. Um, let's say you open a regu- bro- regular brokerage account okay, and invest money into some stocks or bonds or mutual funds, stuff like that. Um, a little while later, after you grow some money, you decide to sell your investment or your profit. Um, that's that's where capital gains tax comes into play, okay? Um, and you need to know, well, you should know um, about capital gains tax coming out on taxable accounts um, and then income tax coming out of tax deferred accounts, okay? So the, the company that you might go through, E-Trade or Fidelity or something like that, um, at the end, after you go ahead and sell your investments, how much you will pay in taxes will actually depend on how quickly you sell it. So on a short-term capital gains tax, you'll pay about 35%. Okay. But long-term, if you hold it out and stick it out for over a year, you'll pay about 15. And that's, that's something that I feel that people should know when it comes to investing because they're like, Oh, you know, I'm in here for the, for the short term, for the quick money. Well, you'll pay taxes on it. Yeah, I think that's important for all of our listeners to understand, especially like with trading and stuff like that, you know, where it gives us the ability to buy and sell really easily on our own and do things really easily with the, you know, through our phones and all that. So it's really important that if you're getting into this stuff, you really understand that you will be taxed of your gains, um, you know, at the end of the year, if you're buying and selling, like James said, under and not hold stocks for at least a year. Um, I have a question that you may not know the answer to because I think it applies to a very, yeah, I think it applies to a very specific target. Um, it is around stocks. Yeah. So it is around stocks. Um, but I've heard people throwing out the term in like discords and stuff of like wash sales when it comes to trading. Um, and I think what they're referring to is like selling stocks for a loss. And I think that this applies because if you trade for your um, like career, if that's like your main source of income, I think it's taxed differently. Um, and so things like losses are considered more or you can write them off or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, if you're investing in the market and let's say you lose money on an investment, um, and you want to sell your investment for less than you paid, okay, that's actually called a capital loss. Okay, it's it, it's a 
it's bad, it sucks, but the IRS doesn't help, or I'm sorry, it does help, you know, soften the blow a little bit when it comes to things like that. I mean, if you if you made a profit on some stock that you sold and lost on other stocks, you can claim your losses against the capital gains to basically pay lower taxes on that. So for example, if you if you made um, a capital gain of about like $50, $50 on a stock, okay? And then on another one, you made a capital loss of like $30, um, you could then be taxed on only the $20 of capital gains, okay? As opposed to all of it, you know? So it, 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 that's, I think that's what they mean by the, the, the wash sale. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if your losses are more than your gains, you can claim up to, I believe it is like two or $3,000 in losses uh, against uh, your other income. So like, like your wages from work or something like that. So um, if, if, if you lose, um, that, that sucks, but um, you can get some tax relief. So you might as well just report the loss. Gotcha. That is in no way Stock Dad's encouraging you to lose on your trades. <laughs> <laughs> it's not mine either. No. Right. <laughs> All right. Um, no, I think this has been really helpful. I think that there's there's about a thousand you know different ways that we can go with this conversation, but I think that that's solid for for this episode, and I think we're definitely gonna dive deeper into this topic moving forward. Um, you know, in, in future episodes, but I, I want to keep this in, you know, bite-sized manageable chunks because it's a lot to take in. Um, but, you know, as always, we got to, you know, hit up our dad portion of the podcast. Um, so, you know, with that being said, uh, you know, we always like to tell some funny dad jokes and well, usually they're funny. Not when... funny dad jokes. <laughs> now is the time for the dad jokes? <laughs> now is the time. <laughs> yeah, oh, now man. is the time. You burned all your <laughs> material, man. <laughs> uh, Mike only doesn't think they're funny because he's not a true dad. So when he, as soon as he's a father, all this stuff Fair. will instantly become like hilarious to him. Um, no, no, but Mike, what do you got for us? Actually, you know what? Let's let's give the guest of honor the chance to go first. James, you got a dad joke for us? Uh, wow, way to throw a guy uh, on the spot. Um, I, <laughs> I don't. I'm conversationally funny. I, I'm not. Mm. Uh, I, mm, yeah, sorry. Uh, I'll think about it. How about that? You're like, fine. I'll, you're I'll, fine. It's, uh, it's all good. It's all good. You know, I, like I have to produce. Dude, you got you got kids should come naturally to you. You know what I mean? Awesome. Thanks for the pressure on that. No, no, I I got nothing. (laughs) There you go. And I'm conversationally funny. I'm funny. There you go. There you go. All right. I like it. Mike, what do you got for us? Uh, for dad jokes. Yeah. Been listening Uh, the last two minutes. I uh, (laughs) I usually don't tell dad jokes, but when I do, he laughs. Oh gosh. Sorry. Sorry, I've got another one. I've got another one. I was about to be. I thought you were actually going to have a dad joke, and I was going to be pretty mad at you. Yeah, I got you with the preamble there. You did. You did. I think James helped you set that up. I think honestly, like that was a total (laughs) setup by the two of you, like making me think that I'm the only one with a dad joke today. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. So. um, What do you got, So. All right. This is actually a little story. Okay. Story time. Oh, no. Mike hates when I do these, but I'm going to do it anyways. 
because <laughs> I love making Mike I, mad. I hate your story <laughs> jokes. Go ahead. Yep. It's going to be great. You guys are going to you guys are going to love it. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Hold on, let me get a drink of water first, really quick. Oh I, gotta, you know, I gotta wet my whistle. Oh you know? my gosh, I'm gonna edit this out. No, you're not. You're not editing anything out. Okay, and it doesn't matter. We got live people watching. Um, all right, a man walks into a bar. Bartender greets him and says, "We have a special tonight. It's a bet. If you win, your drinks are free all night. If you lose, you buy everyone around." The man was interested, so the bartender continued. There are three slabs of meat hanging on the ceiling. If you can jump up and slap one of them, you win. But the man looked up and said, I can't. The stakes are too high. <laughs> That's better than your other story jokes. <laughs> no, it's not. The other one was better. No, it definitely was not. It was. That one will forever be in the archives because we never aired that episode. Yeah. Yeah. And every time we bring it up, I pray I'm thankful because that was a terrible joke. <laughs> uh, so I... I, I, I got a story. No, oh, go for Not it. Good. So um, I, I have a two-story apartment, and um, my daughter stubbed her toe going up the stairs, and she was kind of cursing the stairs. She was really upset. And I told her, I said, you know what? I don't trust stairs. They are always up to something. <laughs> there you go. There's like a dad it. joke. There's oh, a dad that joke. For sure counts. Thanks. See, you for, had for one in, the, in you. You just, had to, you just had to look deep inside. Yeah, you can come back. I guess. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see how this uh, after the after the podcast recording live Q&A session goes. We'll see how that goes. True. True. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't speak uh, too soon. Yeah. No, but this has been super fun, James. Uh, thank you guys uh, for listening. Uh, thank you guys for all the continued support. Thanks, James, for coming on here. James, tell the people where they can find you. Um, you can go to financialrevolution.com forward slash James Gobi, J-A-M-E-S-G-O-B-E-E. I'm on the Facebook. I'm on the LinkedIn. I'm also on uh, Instagram, Friendster, MySpace. No. Um, Yeah. So you can can find me there. Tinder, you know, all the fun stuff. Yeah, I was about to make that joke too. (laughs) You won't be able to notice me because I have a wig and makeup on, so. Right. Um, <laughs> I think you know, I you, swiped you, right on you before. <laughs> oh, this is all right. This is going to turn into a stock dads after dark episode really quick. Uh, but I want to, all right, your, your, your website just reminded me of a little story that I wanted to tell people because it pisses me off. Okay. So your website is revolution. What is it? Uh, the web, uh, the name of the company is revolution financial management, but uh-huh. The name of the website is financialrevolution.com. Okay. So it's still close. Like it's pretty, yes. I mean, it's a good, that's a good domain domain name, right? So yep. when Mike and I started Stock Dads, we both went and looked and tried to buy the domain name stockdads.com because obviously that's the best domain, <laughs> domain name in the world. And some tool from Canada owns it. And I, I still think it's Devin, one of our moderators. Probably I think he's Devin. waiting until the opportune moment to try and sell it to me for yeah. all of my money. But some tool in Canada owns it and won't respond to my messages about letting me buy it from him. So I had to <laughs> buy. If you're listening, tool, give me my domain name. It's trade. <laughs> Stock Dads is trademarked. Give me my domain name. I own the rights to that. But anyways, Calm down, DJ. Calm down. Ugh, sorry, I'm getting heated, guys. That really <laughs> Take a irritates walk, man. me. 
So we had to pick another domain name and we decided to go with stockdadsofficial.com because we felt like it was cool, I guess. But it's still just not as cool as stockdads.com. So Mr. Tool in Canada, call me and fight me. I'll cage match you for that domain name, but whatever. Anyways, that was my fun story. That was a very aggressively told story. Yeah, I guess it wasn't very fun. It was more like no, red was like with rage, but yeah, yeah, that's okay. Sorry, all of our live listeners. They're probably a little bit frightened right now. But anyways, um, so, all right, well, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, let us know what you think. And uh, if you guys have any requests uh, for future episodes, shoot them to us. Um, you can always email us at um, stockdads at gmail.com with like ideas, or you can just hit us up on our Facebook group and let us know what you guys think. But thanks for uh, all the support. We're out. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and join our Stock Dads community on Facebook and Instagram. But most importantly, don't touch the thermostat.